All right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Exodus. Now, the last time we were here, we were in Exodus chapter 29, and we were dealing with the consecration of the priest. That is, in, in calling the priest to holy service unto the Lord in the tabernacle, the things that were associated with the anointing of the priest, as well as the different sacrifices that were made for the priest to consecrate them to prepare them for service. And also we talked about the food that will be, that will be given to the priest as a part of their offering. Remember what Paul said, those who serve at the altar are partakers of the altar. So this would be an offering that will be given to the priest for their particular services. Now we're going to start, uh, in chapter 30 today, and we should be able to complete the whole chapter. We're going to be talking about two final articles that will be found in the tabernacle, the article, I'm sorry, the altar of incense and the bronze laver. And we'll be talking about those particular articles as well as the anointing oil that will be used in the service of these articles and the, and the incense that will be used on the altar of burnt, uh, not <laughs> the altar of incense. You can't call it altar of burnt incense, but it's basically sent, it's usually called the altar of incense. So we're going to start chapter 30 and talk about these two articles as well as the oil and the incense that will be used in it in the service of the tabernacle of Moses. Moreover, you shall make an altar as a place for burning incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. Its, its length shall be a cubit, its width a cubit. It shall be a square, and its height shall be two cubits. Its horns shall be of one piece with it. You shall overlay it with pure gold, its top and its sides all around and its horns, and you shall make a gold molding all around for it. You shall make two gold rings for it under its molding. You shall make them on its two side walls on opposite sides, and they shall be holders for poles which to carry it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. You shall put this altar in front of the veil that is near the ark of the testimony in front of the mercy seat that is over the ark of the testimony where I will meet with you. Okay. So now we have the instructions for the building of the altar of incense. Now we notice that it was, and this is where we will, this is where a unique incense will be placed within this particular article. And, and notice that it says the construction is about a foot and a half by foot and a half. It's gonna be a square and it's gonna be about three feet tall and around it, as you see here, around it, there will be a golden crown. So it's gonna be wooden overlaid with pure gold with a golden crown all the way around the top of it with the four horns that extend from the four corners of these particular thing. And also there will be holes placed in the side with, where, whereby you can place poles in it so that you can carry it, okay? And these poles, of course, would be acacia wood overladen with gold. Now, I'll bring your attention to that's something that I want you to uh, uh, acknowledge, to understand, and 
that when we are dealing, now notice, let me say this, let me say, let me slow it down. The altar of incense, let me talk about its purpose first. The purpose is not just simply for the burning of incense. Yes, that's the purpose of it. That's the physical, visible purpose of the altar of incense. But notice that it was placed right before the curtains of the most holy place. You have to remember that the altar of incense is going to be inside of the tabernacle structure. It's not on the outside courtyard, but it's going to be inside in that part where you have the curtains that overlay. That, In other words, remember, inside there will be the, alt, the candelabra, the light stand, the lamp stand, and then you'll have the bread of the presence, the showbread. All of this is inside that tabernacle covering and then facing that, what facing the curtains, the place of the most holy, would be the altar of incense that we're talking about right here. And the only thing that will separate it, oftentimes this would be associated, the altar of incense would be associated with the most holy place. Remember, in the most holy place would be what? The Ark of the Covenant with, with the golden mercy seat and the two cherubim that's over it. And there would be the uh, presence of the glory of God. This is the most holiest of all articles in the tabernacle itself would be the Ark of the Covenant. Okay. And this is where that mercy seat and stuff that I just explained to you would be. Here's a picture of that as well. So this would have a separation by a curtain. And by that curtain, it would separate the holy place from the most holy place. And remember, in the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant is, where the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God shines forth, only the high priest may enter into the most holy place and only during one day of the year with blood offerings for himself as well as the people. And this would be Yom Kippur, or the day of atonement. And this is the most holy place, but right in front of that, right in front of it, separated by that curtain would be this article that we're talking about here, the altar of incense, whereby you would have this special incense placed upon it. And then this special oil, this incense and oil that would be burned before the curtain. And then, and we'll talk about all of that as we get through it. But in that burning, there would be a smoke that would be rising, uh, rising up in front of the curtain of the most holy place. And therefore we understand that the altar of incense symbolizes the presence. Uh, I'm sorry, the prayers of the saints. The prayers of the saints right before what? Before God. Because what? Think about the literal location. The altar of incense, the curtain, and then you have what? The, uh, the, the mercy seat, uh, the, play, the Ark of the Covenant. That particular item where God himself is symbolized in that. Okay? So this represents the prayers of the saints as it goes before God. And notice also too, as I was going to say earlier, whenever we see things that are inside of the tent, not in the courtyard, remember in the inside the tent. Okay. Let me just go ahead and go ahead and explain it. Remember when you first come to the, uh, the tabernacle, come to that tabernacle structure, right? You come to the first door. 
Once you enter into that door, what do you see? The altar, the bronze altar, the bronze altar, also called the altar of burnt offering. And it is made of bronze. And then as you progress further, you are still in the outer court. And what we mean by the outer court is when you look up, you see the sun or whatever you look up and you see the sky. That's the bottom line. All right. And therefore it is the outer court. Then the next article that you see, we're going to talk about this in chapter 30 as well, will be the bronze laver where that's filled with water where the priest would wash before they enter into the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting is also a part of the tabernacle, but it is the place where you have the covering. There is the covering and where there is no artificial light entering into that place. Once you enter into that place, the light that you have will be by the candelabra or also called the lampstand. And this is those articles that I just explained to you that are inside the, the candelabra, the table of the showbread, and this particular item here, the, uh, in, in the table of incense. Okay. The altar of incense. So this is on the inside as well as the most holy place, which was also separated by the curtains. Cause remember we got three curtains. First curtain, you come to get into the tabernacle period. Then the next curtain you'll find is to get into the tent of meeting, which I'm talking about now. Then the next curtain is literally inside the tent of meeting, which separates the tent of meeting, the holy place from the most holy place. As I just told you only to the, which the high priest can enter into once a year. But in all of that, I was saying was it is, it is necessary to make the distinctions how articles inside of the tent of meetings are all made of wood overladen with gold. But the idea is it is overladen the exterior of all of the articles inside of the tent of meeting is pure gold. And when you get in the outer court, those particular articles and notice like the, that is the altar of burnt offerings where the sacrifices are made and the labor, which we haven't talked about yet, but we will, where you do the washing for the priest to enter in those articles are made of bronze because when we deal with the gold, the sense is of a divine nature and the absence of sin, the absence of sin. But when we deal with bronze, we are talking about the judgment upon sin. So there is an idea or a relationship to sin that is made with articles that are made of bronze. And there are, there is that idea of sense of being without sin or purity or divine nature. When it speaks of things, articles that are made of gold. Okay. And here's what we see concerning the altar of incense here, that it is made of gold. And the symbolic nature is, is that it represents the prayers of the saints as it, as the prayers of the saints go up before God. And that's why it is situated right in front of the curtains before the most holiest article of all. And that is, uh, the Ark of the covenant, which symbolizes the presence of God himself. Okay. Enough said about that verse number 
7. Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. He shall burn it every morning when he trims the lamps. When Aaron trims the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense. There shall be perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Okay. And all it's saying is this, because remember on the altar of incense, there is the burning of incense at the same time that the candelabra, that the wicks of the candelabra are, is to be trimmed and the oil is made and make sure you got enough oil to keep the candelabra burning as the candelabra is serviced twice a day. So also will be the altar of incense. It also will be serviced twice a day. So there will be perpetually at all times, the smoke continually going up before the Lord. So you have the light that is always burning for the candelabra and the smoke that is always rising up before the uh, most holy place. Okay. And we understand that the light of the candelabra, I know I've told you before, but let me remind you just in case you've forgotten, basically is indicative of the word of God. Your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. We are no longer walking by the light of our knowledge or the light of the knowledge of the world that's done outside of the tent of meeting. Now that we are inside the tent of meeting, we are coming into the presence of God. We are walking according to the light of the dictates of God's word. And we are always what are constantly praying before God and such prayers are being received and acknowledged by God. And this is a blessing for God's people to know that your prayers are always being heard by God. But anyway, so this is talking about verses number seven and eight, the service of the altar of incense that the fires, the, the, not, not so much as fire, but the smoke of the incense may continually be burning and rising before the altar, before the um, Ark of the Covenant. All right. Verse number nine, you shall not offer any strange incense on this altar or burnt offering or meal offering, and you shall not pour out a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement on his horns once a year. He shall make atonement on it with the blood of the sin offering of atonement once a year throughout your generation. It is most holy to the Lord. Now let's talk about that. Then it says concerning the altar of incense, Nothing else is to be offered on this altar except the incense that God is commanding. And we'll see this later on, what particular type uh, will be the ingredients involved in the incense. But nothing but incense on the incense altar. That's the point of verse number nine. Don't offer any other kind of offering. What, whether it's a burnt offering, no, a meal offering, or even pouring of a drink offering. No, this article is extremely holy unto the Lord, and you would incur a grave penalty to offer anything, and the penalty would be death. The penalty would be death. Why? This article is most sacred to the Lord. That's verse number 10. It is most holy holy unto the Lord. So it finishes off by telling us 
uh, 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 describing as a whole in the beginning what this article is, the altar of incense, what it is to be used for and what it is not to be used for. And that this item is a very sacred item in the tent of meeting. No other offerings except that burning of that incense with the smoke at the place where God has designated. Only that should be done. 11. The Lord also spoke to Moses saying, when you take a census of the sons of Israel to number them, each then each one of them shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord when you number them so that there will be no plague among them when you number them. This is what everyone who is numbered shall give a half shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The shekel is 20 geras. Half a shekel is as a contribution to the Lord. Everyone who is numbered from 20 years old and over shall give the contribution to the Lord. Okay, so now what we have here is an offering for the tabernacle. And all that God is saying to Moses is this. Once you take a census of the sons of Israel, that is from every male, because note, actually in the Hebrew it says from the sons of, but from every male, from every Jewish male, which was end up being what, like that census was 603,000, I think, something around that nature. But the point is, from every Jewish male, 20 years and upward, is to have a ransom for the soul. That is, for the services that is being rendered on, by the priest, the services rendered by the priest on their behalf to God. And we can understand this being the ransom for their soul, right? But for the they are to support the tabernacle structure and this ministry with an offering. The offering would be a half shekel. And so the point that God is making here is he kind of digresses a little bit uh, from the altar of incense. Uh, uh, I don't know. No, it's not so much as digress. It's kind of like moving on in a sense. But it's, it's almost a little kind of awkward in a bit as he talks about this offering that is to be given for the tabernacle service. Every Jewish male, 20 years and over, shall give a half a shekel as a yearly offering for the tabernacle service on his behalf. This is what is spiritually done for every person's behalf, okay? All right, let me also say this too because I missed a part when it talked about the, uh, the, the cleansing of the altar of incense. And that is when it's, and it spoke about that Moses should come once a year. This is also what happened during uh, Yom Kippur, uh, 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 the day of atonement, when the altar of incense itself would be cleansed by the sprinkling of blood. Now, what we'll find out is this, all of the items that uh, uh, are a part of the tabernacle service are to be cleansed in this way with the sprinkling of blood because whatever we have to do, and I think I talked about this maybe the last video, but whatever that we have to do with things, that is the children of Israel and that which they touch, it's, it's made sinful in that sense because of its dealing with us and it speaks of the holiness of God. So what we have is a contrast of extremes 
All that has to do with us is sinful. That which has to do with God is holy. So whenever we make contact with this in some sense or another, there is a sense of defilement because of our sins. But nevertheless, God does do what? He commands Moses to consecrate these things. That is set them apart to sanctify them as holy unto God. And in that sense, in their dedication unto God, no defilement comes upon them. But nevertheless, defilement is still remembered in the day of atonement. Why? Because we still have to do with these things. Mankind still has to do with these things. And there is always the reminder of what our sins. Okay, enough of that, but let's go back. So we just dealt with the issue of, uh, oh, and we also see this, the, 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 the offering, uh, sometimes it's called heave offering, the offering of half shekel, half shekel of silver that's being taken for the support of the tabernacle. This also we can see in the new Testament time when we remember when certain ones of the, uh, of the temple came and asked Peter, does not your master pay the temple tax? And this is what be, became known as the temple tax in new Testament times. Okay. All right. Let's go on. Verse number 15, the rich shall not pay more and the poor shall not pay less than the half shekel. When you give the contribution to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves, you shall take the atonement money from the sons of Israel and shall give it to give it for the service of the tent of meeting that it may be a memorial for the sons of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. So not only as we see, notice there earlier, so that no plague will come upon you, support the tabernacle services and the tabernacle ministries so that no plague, but notice also too the service of the tent of meeting that it may be supplied with the resources to continue to function. But as he talked about in verse number 15 and 16, the idea is equality, equality. There is no distinction. There will not be a greater gift to be given from the rich or a lesser gift to be given by the poor. There will be equality of all men, whether rich or poor, before the Lord for the ransom for their soul. So here God speaks of what the equality of men in the service of the tabernacle. All have a due, all owe to the service of God. You can give something. You are required to give something. You know, a lot of times, let me make a pause here. A lot of time I've heard people say that salvation is free. I have never ever in any of my reading found where there is a freedom of cost, freedom from cost with respect to salvation. Salvation is the costliest thing in the universe. Why? What did it take in order to acquire our salvation? It took God coming from heaven, making himself flesh. That's Philippians chapter two, considering himself to be nothing, making himself in the likeness of sinful men. Jesus, God of heaven, 
and dying on the cross. What greater price can you pay than to give your own life? It is worth it's much more valuable than giving of any money. Because when you give your life, you have given everything. Salvation is not free. There is always a debt. And salvation has the greatest debt because it was paid by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, who is God himself from heaven? But nevertheless, and even thus, we need to always understand that we are debtors to God and therefore we have a responsibility to support the work of God. And that's the principle that's being set forth here. We are always, and I, and I, and, and if, it's, if, 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 if I'm speaking to you in, in a disciplinary ma manner, then fine, you need to hear this. We always want to receive things at no cost. We, but notice what David said, and my mind is kind of flickering a little bit because I'm trying to keep from fussing. But notice what David said when, when the devil had moved David to number the people and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord appeared and what happened, all of a sudden people started dropping dead and, and, and there David wanted to do a sacrifice and there he was at, what was it, the place of Obed-Edom and he wanted to buy this place and buy the tools that need for sacrifice and, and he nevertheless, the man wanted to give David these things free of charge. But what did David say? David said, I will not sacrifice to God something that costs me nothing. There is always a price and there is always an indebtedness and I am indebted and you need to feel indebted when someone brings you these things, do the service of God. It's not free. There should always be a service offering given. Okay, enough said about that. And you may think that I'm being self-serving, but actually I'm not. I am speaking though to the, 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 the selfishness that even many Christians have. Okay, enough said about that. I didn't intend to go in that direction. But the point of the Lord, verse number 16 was simply, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, the offering is still the same for the support of the tent, the tent of meeting and the services therein, which will be a half shekel of silver. Verse 17, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, you shall also make a labor of bronze with its base of bronze for washing. And you shall put it between the tent of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it. Aaron and his son shall wash their hands and their feet from it. When they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so that they shall not die. Or when they approach the altar to minister by offering up in smoke a fire sacrifice to the Lord, so they shall wash their hands and their feet so that they will not die. Notice it that twice. And it shall be a perpetual statute for them, for Aaron and his descendants throughout their generations. Okay, so now we have the final article that is being given, and that is the bronze laver. Now, remember what I told you about the bronze thing, uh, uh, the bronze and the gold, how the bronze always indicates judgment because of the presence of sin. There is some type of relationship in dealing with sin 
So therefore, this article speaks to that. And remember, I also said this about the other articles that are overladen with gold, deals with the absence of sin, deals with righteousness within the divine presence of God. But here we are in the golden labor. Now, this article, again, notice the first thing we see when we come into the tent of meeting is the altar of burnt offering. That's where you deal with the sin, that big old thing that you do the sacrifice. You put the blood with the horns on it. As we move towards the presence of God, the next thing that we see in the outer court is this article, the final article that we're being given, the altar, I'm sorry, the bronze lake, which is nothing but like a big old basin that is filled with water to the which Aaron and his son would wash their hands and their feet before they entered the tent of meeting. And when they say the tent of meeting, we understand this is the tabernacle structure as a whole, but this is in the outer court where the bronze labor is. But before they enter the holy place, what's in the holy place again? Y'all remember the candelabra, the showbread, and what we just talked about, the altar of incense, and then what that final curtain place, what the most holy place, right? But before they entered the tent of meeting, is the need for washing. So once again, this brings about what? The symbolic sense of reminder of sin. Why? It is in the outer court. It is in that because all that's in the outer court has to do with sin. Once you get into the tent of meeting, we deal, the idea is sin has been dealt with. And so now you are holy and are able to do the holy service in the presence of the Lord. That's what the tent of meeting is all about. But the outer court is always about judgment upon sin. And what two articles are in the outer court? The altar of burnt offering. This is where the sacrifices are made that I just told you about. And then what this article here, the bronze labor, where it deals with the idea of being washed. And clearly from the washing with the water, what washing from sins, sin being washed away. The idea is purity, being purified from sin. And once purified, once there is a sacrifice made for sin at the altar of burnt offerings, then you go to the labor and you wash the hands and the feet. Once there is a purification from sin, you are now able, enabled to enter into the presence of the Lord. So the bottom line is these two articles, the bronze altar of burnt offering and the bronze labor, both deal with the judgment upon sin. And this is why, once again, it is found in the outer court. But once you get into that tent of meeting, outer court where there's only the artificial light. Once you get into that tent of meeting where the light is only by that candelabra, by the light of God's word, there is no dealing with sin anymore until, until the day of atonement. And then that's when we deal for the sins of the priest as well as the sins for the nation one time a year. All right. All right. Enough for that. Uh, and that, and notice, uh, we'll say this too, uh, as we were dealing with those verses, notice what God kept threatening. He says, make certain that you wash before you enter the tent of meeting. If you fail to wash before you enter the tent of meeting, you will die. You will die. So therefore the need to deal uh, again, 
as we talk about all of these things, uh, the articles of the tabernacle, let this picture in your mind what God is trying to say about himself and what God is trying to say about us. You know what God is saying about us? Sinful. And that's why we teach that we have a sinful nature. This is God also to the Paul's teaching Romans chapter four and five. We have a sinful nature. We are sold to sin of ourselves. It's in our mind. It's in our very being and fiber. And until we have been made, until we have been born again by the spirit of God, that's all we know. We're just sinful. All right. And then what does it say? What do these things say about God? God is holy. To enter into the presence of God, you, there is no sin. You got to deal with sin because God is a holy God and in him, in his presence, no sin at all. And that's why the Bible said it in 1 John, for God is light. And what? And, the, and light is basically righteousness, holiness, and in him that is in God is what? No darkness, no sin at all. And so what we see in the tabernacle structure, in all of these different articles, it teaches us something about God and about the holiness of God and also talks about our sinfulness. But when we bring all of these things together, the tabernacle, the tabernacle structure, remember what we've been saying, that in some way or another, it speaks about the person or the work service of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as we, as we look at this thing, let's just go ahead and talk about it. Since I'm babbling off at the mouth about it. When we look at the altar of bronze, altar of burnt offerings, that bronze altar and the labor, that bronze labor, it speaks of the work of Jesus in purifying us from our sins and what he did ultimately on the cross. He died for our sins so that we, after being washed by the word of Christ, by the work of Christ, so that we being washed by him can enter into the tent of meeting. We can now enter into that holy place and enter into service of God. Why? Being washed from all of our sins, we are now ready for service. You got it? We can walk in the candelabra, in the light of his word. We can depend upon his substance by faith. What? That by his bread. He is the bread of life. He will sustain us. And we'll know with the altar of incense, what? That we can always pray unto our God because of him. And those prayers will be continually going up before God. And God is acknowledging our prayers because of Jesus. So in all of these things, it speaks of the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus, the service of Jesus on behalf of his people. All right. I've said enough about that. Now let's get into the oil and there's no need for a lot of discussion about the oil It's just simply the oil will be made of certain things that will be considered holy before the Lord to be used in the Holy service on the altar of incense, as well as to anoint the tabernacle, the full tabernacle structure. And that's basically all that's going to be said about that. So let's get the reading on. Where did I stop? 
22. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take also for yourself the finest of spices. Notice, whenever you come to God, you give the best, you give your best, you give your best. Do you give your best or do you give God a that or do? Finest of spices, flowing myrrh, 500 shekels and of, I think it's what, 12 and a half gallons, something like that. But anyway, 500 shekels and fragrant cinnamon, half as much, 250 and of fragrant cane, 250 and of cassia, 500, according to the shekel of the sanctuary and of olive oil, a hen, you shall make of these a holy anointing oil. Perfume mixture, the work of a perfumer, it shall be a holy anointing oil. And so basically, all this simply saying is this. He is giving Moses the ingredients to make oil of anointing. Now, we're going to read on later. It's going to say that the oil, what the oil is to be used to anoint, which will be the tabernacle structure as well as the articles of the tabernacle. But the point is, this is the oil of anointing such oil as the anointing that is all that consecrate these things for services unto God, holy services unto God. Okay. And he talks about is basically made up of myrrh, uh, cinnamon, uh, cane and cassia, as well as olive oil. And all of these things are to be made as a particular mixture to make this particular oil to anoint with verse 26. With it, you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the table and all its utensils and the lampstands and the utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and the laver and its stand. You shall also consecrate them that they shall, they may be most holy. Whatever touches them shall be Holy. I like that too. But anyway, so he says what the oil, the purpose of this oil is to anoint the tabernacle, uh, uh, the tent of meeting, everything that is to be used in the tabernacle, because what these things are to be consecrated to the service of the Lord. So this is indicated by the anointing of these things with this special oil. And that's all he's talking about. So that's all I'm going to say there. Anoint all of the tabernacle structure, the articles and the utensils that are used in the tabernacle to be anointed with this special oil. And then he says the thing that I liked at the end, whatever touches them shall be holy. Once something is consecrated unto God, that is to, to, for it to come in touch with something else, it is set apart as holy. It is considered to be holy unto God. Why? For these articles themselves, are, are sanctified unto God. What you'll notice in the, in the um, uh, actual Hebrew word, sanctified, sanctified, holy, are root kins, kinsmen words. But anyway, without getting all of that, let's just continue. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons, verse number 30, and consecrate them that they may minister as priests to me. You shall speak to the sons of Israel saying, this shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on anyone's body. 
nor shall you make any like it in the same proportions. It is holy and it shall be holy to you. Whoever shall mix any like it or whoever puts any on a layman shall be cut off from his people. So all God is talking about here is the distinctive nature of this oil. This oil, number one, this oil not only shall be used in the consecration of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, all of the articles therein, but it is also oil used to anoint the priests themselves. And then he talks about how that this oil should never be replicated by any, for any common use. That is, this oil is only to be used in the service of the tabernacle to anoint the priest and for what God says it is to be used. It is not to be made by someone else. This oil is not to be used as some type of perfume or to be used in any common sense. This oil is to be sanctified and set apart as holy for usage only for God, for what God has said the oil is to be used. So once God has given Moses these ingredients in the amounts, in the proportions that they are to be used with each other, nobody is to try to, 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 to simulate, make their own kind of like holy anointing oil and the penalty, notice the penalty for using this oil in the proportions, in the manner, in any way that God has said not to use this oil. The penalty is death. Again, without lamb blasting it today, once again, we can understand the principle of what God is trying to say concerning himself. God is holy. God is unique. God is set apart from all other things and to be worshiped diff because God Yahweh alone is God and everything that is used in the service of Yahweh our God is to be set apart as holy and no man is to take upon himself these holy things unless it is, it's been given by God, like Aaron the priest. They can be anointed with the oil, but say for instance, a common person who is not a priest, don't even think about it. Don't try to make a mixture like it and don't even think to try to put something of this on your body. And the penalty for these things would be death because what? It is God. It is associated with the worship of God and all things that are associated with the worship of God are supposed to be holy. Okay, let's finish it up with the incense. There's, now we're gonna go back. Remember we talked about the altar of incense, that little uh, about foot and a half square, a three feet tall thing with the golden crown on it. There's that picture again. That sits right in front of the curtain of the most holy place. Now let's talk about the particular incense that we've, we already talked about the anointing oil, how it's made, okay? Oil that anoints the 
tabernacle, the articles and things that therewith. But the incense that's put upon, remember the incense is a special thing that you put a special little stuff in that altar of incense that you burn and it creates that smoke that goes in front before um, the most holy place, okay? So let's talk about how that is made up. And this is what the rest of that is all about. 34, then the Lord said to Moses, take for yourself spices, stacked and anika and galbanum spices with pure frankincense. There shall be an equal part of each with it. You shall make incense, a perfume, the work of a perfumer, salted, pure and holy. You shall beat some of it very fine and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. The incense which you shall make, you shall not make it in the same proportions for yourselves. It shall be holy to you for the Lord. Whosoever shall make any like it to use as perfume shall be cut off from his people. So now here we talk about the incense. Okay. As we just told you, the incense that is used on the altar of incense. Now, with respect to these particular spices, the stacked onica and galbanum, I have not found where any of these are identifiable items. Uh, so I, to my knowledge, we don't know what it is. Maybe the certain Jewish traditions, they may be known, but we don't know what they are. They are not identifiable at this particular time. So I'm not gonna worry about it. But the point is, they are to be brought together and to be mixed with pure frankincense in an equal amount of part. And it is to be unique and notice in verse number 35, and it is to be salted, to have salted. It's the salt that's placed inside of this particular incense that creates the smoke. The salt creates the smoke. And as a matter of fact, all of the offerings, and we'll talk about that in the book of Leviticus, but all of the offerings of the children of Israel are always to be salted with salt. Salt gives the sense of preservation and salt also gives the sense of an upright, of a continuous uprightness before God, like preservation and continuous uprightness before God. And so therefore we have all of the offerings being seasoned with salt. And then anyway, bringing it to a close. And so he says concerning the mixture of this unique incense is to have the same dignity as the oil of anointing. Remember what we just said about the oil of anointing. It is to be made and used only as the Lord has dictated. No individual, only the priest could make it and only the priest could make it for the service of God. No other person can make this particular incense and no other person is to use this incense, even as a personal perfume. Why? For the penalty for using this incense is the same as the penalty for the using of the anointing of oil. For a person to try to make the anointing oil and use it in, in, in a way, in a defiling, in a common way. That's the word that is used. The word for profane and common are often the same word. Profane and common. 
common means outside of the holy service of God. Remember, since we've been talking about the tabernacle and all of the articles involved in the worship of God, this has to do with the service of God. Anything outside of that done by someone other than the priests or the Levites, this will be considered common. And therefore the idea profane, the word profane would be used. That's why profane is the word that is, it's the, it's the interpretation that is commonly used for the word common. Okay. So the point that God is trying to say with respect to this oil and respect to this incense, it is never to be used for a common usage for usage for someone outside of the priesthood outside of the spoken service of the Lord. The penalty for this, the penalty for misuse of the oil or the incense is death. All right, that took a little bit longer than I thought, but nevertheless, we did finish it. All right, guys, thank you for joining me in all of that. Uh, join me next time as we continue our study in the book of Exodus or in uh, the prophecy of Jeremiah. Now, I'll say this. Remember what I was just saying about uh, the shekel, the half shekel for the temple service and the indebtedness. Has God touched your heart to feel indebted for the teachings of the word of God? Those who serve the altar are sharers of the altar. And so therefore, what am I saying? I'm asking you, if your heart has been blessed, if God has touched your heart through these teachings, will you support this ministry? And will you help, help me to continue to bring you these lessons so that you yourselves can be informed of the word of God and strengthened by all of these things that we hear? Why? For faith coming by hearing, hearing what? The word of God. But anyway, so I'm asking you, Bless this ministry if God has touched your heart. There is always a link in the description that you can use to support this ministry. But nevertheless, guys, thanks for all that you do. Thanks for joining me. And we'll see you next time.